Hello, I'm Adam Pelche, and you're listening to Off the Shelf, Windsor Public Library's weekly broadcast discussing books, culture, and what's happening in the world of public libraries. On today's episode, we talk with the author and journalist Jonathan Pinto about his publication, The Best of Windsor Cookbook. Jonathan Pinto fostered a love of good food from a very young age. Born and raised in Peterborough, Ontario, Jonathan was brought up in a culinary household. His father was a chef, and his mother was an incredible cook herself. In 2012, Jonathan moved to Windsor to join CBC Radio's Windsor Morning, where he was a food columnist and the host of the program Food with Jonathan Pinto. In 2016, Pinto released The Best of Windsor Cookbook, a collection of mouth-watering recipes from the area's most popular dining establishments and tastiest restaurants. On Saturday, June 17th, Jonathan visited the Windsor Public Library's central location as part of our Canada 150 speaker series. During his visit, I had a chance to sit down with Jonathan, during which we discussed his love of food and the inspiration for his move to Windsor. The following is a portion of that conversation. So the first thing I really want to talk about, I guess, is your family background, because a passion for food has been something that's been around your home ever since you were a child. I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. So, um, yeah, so food was a thing that um, was always around me growing up as a child. So my dad's a chef. Um, My mom's an incredible cook. And uh, they came to Canada from India in the early 80s. Um, both of them came to Canada armed with university degrees. My dad uh, is in political science. My mom's in economics. Uh, when they got to Canada, those degrees weren't really recognized, so they kind of had to make do, and they figured it something out. And they moved to Peterborough. They didn't live in Toronto. They didn't live, they lived right. Peterborough is a small town northeast of of of, uh, of Toronto, and uh, so my uncle had a. Um, a bakery. He worked there for a little bit, my dad. Then he got a job delivering pizzas for a pizzeria called Wampers. And apparently, I, don't, I was too young, but apparently he had the best pizza in, in, in Peterborough. Um, and he delivered, delivered pizzas for a while, and then he started working in the kitchen. And um, then he uh, started working at a roadhouse and went back to school, became a chef, got his papers, and, uh, and worked at a steakhouse for a long time. And my mom, um, yeah, her she didn't cook professionally, but she was just sort of a, an incredible cook. And so, growing up at home, um, both my parents cooked together, and you know we ate a lot of great Indian food because that's you know what what my parents ate. But we also did a lot of experimentation. So like my dad, um, man from India who never eaten chili before in his life, like you know like. Texas style chili type of thing. Um, he won the Peterborough Chili Fest like five times in a row, um, and which is kind of incredible when you think about it. Uh, and so he did a lot of experimentation at home. And um, for Thanksgiving, um, you know, my parents. One of my favorite stories of my parents, young in Canada, um, they hadn't really had turkey before. Uh, it wasn't a thing in India. They had little lots of chicken and other things, but turkey wasn't a thing. And so they bought a turkey and they tried to make a curry out of it and apparently it turned out terribly and so what they did is they sort of indianized um a turkey for thanksgiving so what they did is they made a special masala they marinated the turkey for like a few days and they put it in the oven and so like growing up i always thought that thanksgiving turkey was supposed to be kind of spicy and the gravy was supposed to be spicy too um so my wife who's not 
Indian. She's uh, her family's you know British, and so when I went to their house for Thanksgiving the first time, it was a bit of a shock um, that there was nothing with spicy. I thought I thought something was wrong. Anyway, so yeah, food's always been a thing uh, with my with my family, and um, I was always a taste tester. Um, I always tasted everything, and like it, it was a lot of fun. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question at all, but um, it uh, and so when I got to um, university. Um, so Peterborough, again, smaller town, um, has two newspapers, but uh, there was no food columnist. And the student newspaper at Trent University, where I went, um, they had a long-going uh, food column. And so uh, one of the writers graduated, and so I took over the role. And so for three years in, in town, I, uh, I wrote restaurant reviews for the food, the food uh, for the uh, student newspaper called Arthur. And um, Arthur newspaper... Um, it is it's actually quite widely read in the city despite it being a university student publication and uh, Peterborough despite being a small town has a pretty incredible food scene and so I had a lot to talk about over three years and uh, that's how I kind of ended up segueing into food when I got to CBC what were you going to school for at that time <laughs> so um, I never expected if we if we sp if we met seven years ago because I I, um, I graduated undergrad in 2010. If we met seven years ago and you told me that I would be A, living in Windsor, and B, working for the CBC, I would have never seen that coming. My undergrad degree is in Canadian studies, um, and then I have a master's degree in urban planning. Uh, seven years ago, I thought I was going to become an urban planner, um, basically planning, uh, transportation planning, actually. So I loved, you know, buses and trains and stuff like that. And I thought I'd work for like a mid-sized city like Windsor or London or Peterborough and, and plan sort of the transit routes. Um, but what happened to me was, so I never went to journalism school. Um, so what happened to me was I, um, between my undergrad and grad school, there's an internship called the Zosky Internship. Um, and it's, a, it's available for uh, one graduate from, from a few different universities that had big ties to Peter Zosky. At Trent University, he was our chancellor um, before he died in 2002, I think. Um, and so the idea is to bring a non-journalist, non-journalism student into grad school, in, into the CBC for four months, pay them and let them do, basically like, throw them into the fire. Uh, so I got, I got selected to be this intern. I was given one week on basically just how to use stuff at CBC, like how to use the computers and like how not to completely fail, and um, and then I was thrown into the into the into the newsroom. And I worked at about six different shows, national and local shows. I worked at Ontario Morning and Metro Morning, but I also worked at like Definitely Not the Opera and As It Happens. And I kind of grew a love for radio. And so when I went to grad school, I still wanted to be the urban planner. I went to grad school and I kept on getting called back to work in Toronto. Um, and uh, at CBC, and I kind of loved it. I would drop everything. I didn't have a car, so I would take the go, the go bus and the go train for like two hours to get to Toronto. And um, I loved it. I saw a job opening in Windsor. Um, it was for a, a journalist as well as a technician, and I'd never touched a studio in my life, but I applied for it anyway. Um, they were willing to teach me the um, technical side of radio production. And so that's how I ended up uh, where I am today, because it was sort of not planned at all. Um, for an urban planner, it's kind of frightening. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, that's sort of how that happened. <laughs> it's quite the origin story. <laughs> so my next question, it pertains to you actually moving to Windsor. That would have taken place in 2012. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the move, what facilitated that, and what your general impressions were of Windsor after you moved here. I didn't know anything about Windsor before I moved here. Um, I hadn't been um, 
south or west of London uh, until 2012. Um, my only time in Windsor before I came here for the job interview was, um, so six months before the job interview, which was in September of 2012, um, a colleague of mine at the University of Waterloo, he's from Ohio, and despite being from Ohio, he loved the Detroit Tigers, which I now understand is weird, um, but at the time I didn't know. Um, and so he wanted to go to a Tigers game, and uh, we went, and we spent about five minutes in Windsor. We, you know, we went from Denolette to the tunnel, and that was it. Um, I, I think we spent more time at the toll booth than we did in Windsor, um, and so when I, I, you know, I didn't think I didn't know much about the city. You know, you know I, I thought Detroit was kind of cool, but I didn't, you know, I didn't think I'd be back for a while uh, until that job interview um, came uh, knocking, and um, I started researching because I, you know, I had I had a week before between the call and the interview, and so I did a whole bunch of research. I listened to Windsor Morning, you know, every or it was called the early shift. Listened to the early shift every day. I made notes. I started studying the issues, and I kind of real, I, you know, I didn't know a lot. I knew that at that time unemployment was really high. I knew that there was a lot of history to the place because um, you know it had, had a long history of of, uh, of European settlement in particular, and um, I, uh, I I just didn't know what to think of it because I I didn't and I, you know I know how Windsor has that sort of has that bad reputation. You know, I didn't know about that really because I just didn't know much about Windsor at all. And so I didn't really have that coming into it. Um, I read a bit more about it when I was doing my research. But when I got here that day, um, I came here, I drove from Waterloo to, uh, to Windsor, um, parked on Olet Avenue. It was a beautiful sunny day. Um, I walked along the waterfront. I thought it was just gorgeous. The waterfront was, uh, was brilliant. I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that because the last time when I was going to Detroit, we just went to the tunnel. I didn't go, didn't make it down to Riverside Drive. So that was pretty wild. And, um, I didn't know what people were talking about. I thought it looked really nice. And um, I went to the squirrel cage uh, on, on uh, Maiden Lane. Uh, I met John and Stephen, and they had just opened up a few months before. Um, and I Googled it because they wanted a place for lunch. So I Googled that one before I came here. And they were really hopeful. Uh, I know it sounds like stuff from the book, but basically this, this is the story. Um, they were really positive about, about Windsor and hopeful about it. And so I thought it's kind of cool. And so. I had a great impression of Windsor. My first impression was really good. Um, Windsor's not perfect. No city's perfect. Um, but it was a it was a pretty incredible impression because of the waterfront, especially like the waterfront. To me, um, is Windsor's gem, and uh, it's uh, every time I bring somebody down here, they're always just shocked at how gorgeous it is. So, um, yeah, I, I had a good, I had a really good first impression of Windsor. That's probably why I said yes when they offered me the job. <laughs> So uh, we're about to go into my favorite subject now, which is actually talking about the best of Windsor cookbook okay. and the food therein. Um, and I've actually recommended this cookbook to a lot of my friends because uh, just going through it, not only are the recipes great, which is a must for all cookbooks, of course, but there's some incredible stories behind the restaurants and with the people that you encounter while you're gathering up all these recipes. Um, I guess I have a two-part question. My first uh, part of the question is, of course, what basically drove you to compose this cookbook, to go to these different restaurants and uh, create this book? And the second part is, what drove you to go into such detail, not only about the food, but about the restaurants, the proprietors, and the history of these places? So the biggest difference between what I did as a student newspaper writer, that was the restaurant reviews, right? Where I would go to a place, usually a new place, and just talk about you know, how the food was and how the service was and all that stuff. Um, when I came to Windsor um, and 
um, my producer, Robin Brown, she's the, she's the woman behind Windsor Morning, and Shauna Kelly, she was the managing editor at CBC Windsor at the time, when they asked me, because they wanted to do a, a food sort of column, um, the idea that behind it wasn't that it was restaurant reviews. Uh, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to do just food culture. And so the idea would be me exploring um, my new home through the people who are making the food. Uh, so, you know, I talk about the food in my on my stories for CBC. That's it's an important part, but it's really about the people. And that's why, and that's how that sort of translated over to the book. Um, the cookbook was actually so Dan Wells. He's a publisher at Billy Oasis. Um, he approached me about doing the book. That's, that's another thing I never expected to do. If you asked me seven years ago, that'd be writing, writing a cookbook is not something I, I it was in my life plan. Um, it's a wonderful thing, but just a total surprise. Um, he approached me basically, and his idea was sort of a um, a cookbook loosely based on my CBC stories, and so that's the format we kept with it, because um, you know you can there what makes these restaurants compelling and these farmers compelling is their food's great but their stories sometimes are even better um or actually just as good um they're uh and the stories make you more connected to that person right um and uh if you know the story behind something like for example um in the cookbook uh leslie balsley she's the um one of the she's the farmer at the fruit wagon in harrow um, her husband, Doug, so they gave two recipes and her pie, it's a cherry raspberry pie, I believe. It's a pretty simple recipe. Like it's not, um, it's not a, um, complex pie recipe until you find out that that pie has won the Harrow Fair like five years or three or five years in a row. And last year sold for like multiple thousands of dollars, um, because it was like, it's an, it's a charity auction for this, for this pie. And so it's a simple pie. Um, is an award-winning like masterpiece uh, is pretty cool. So the story behind the food is just as important as the food itself. And that's why um, we went into such detail because, I mean, a cookbook that just has local recipes is good. But when you know the story, it makes you really connected to the community. Was there a particular story that ranks amongst your favorite? <laughs> oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's hard. I think, I mean, one of my favorite stories we were talking about this before um is chicken in um <laughs> because um chicken in for people who haven't um don't know about it it's a uh a restaurant on wyandotte street in wyandotte town center um and i had driven walked bus biked past it countless times for years uh and I didn't know what it was. I thought, and I sh you should never assume when you're in the food business, but it, I made the mistake. I thought it might be like a fried chicken place, and I just kind of dismissed it. Didn't even think about it. Until a person told me they went there, and they had incredible like Middle Eastern food. And I said, oh, well, we'll give it a go. And it was fantastic. I thought it was great. Um, and so I wanted to do a story about just that part. But then I sat down with them, and I figured out what the story was. And um, back in, and this is such like a, such an only in Windsor story, um, back in Iraq, for people who haven't read this in the book, um, the owner of the restaurant, he uh, was like a pretty big deal. He had uh, a big meat, a big uh, food processing factory making these sort of um, meat pies. And then he had a series of restaurants called, roughly translated, Chicken Inn. And it was basically like the Swiss chalet of Baghdad. So, you know, rotisserie chicken wasn't a thing in Iraq. He kind of introduced it 
and it became like really popular and that was his thing chicken in and um when he decided to leave iraq he ended up at first in the gta then to windsor um and uh he started doing rotisserie chicken here because we have Swiss Chalet, because we have, you know, every grocery store has rotisserie chicken, the rotisserie part didn't work so well. Um, so we had to make do and he had to figure out other things to do. But the fact that, you know, people still come today from various parts, like from the GTA, from Detroit, from elsewhere in the Midwest, because of the name, because they know of that place in Iraq, they come to Windsor for that. That's a really cool story. Um, and uh, I just, and when you, I just, I just love it. I love the chicken in. Um, that's one of my favorite things. And another, can I give you another favorite story? Okay, sorry. Um, my first, one of the places, when I was approached about doing this food column, um, I was a little worried because I didn't know how many places I could do. Like I thought I thought this column, you know, might be, uh, I might get three dozen stories out of it before it kind of petered out. Um, I'm at 160 now, uh, I should say, but, uh, one of the first places where I realized, yes, I can do this. I can do this. This segment. Um, our first month living in uh, in Windsor, our apartment wasn't ready, so we were living in basically like a guest suite, uh, no kitchen, nothing. So we had to eat out every day, um, which sounds really fun at first, but like after about two weeks, it gets a little tiring. Um, but uh, one of the places we went to multiple times was a place called uh, Bim Bim to Go. Also on Wyandotte Street. Wyandotte Street is my favorite street in Windsor. Um, there's just too many restaurants on it. Um, and Juliana, so it's a Korean place, and she specializes in, in uh, bimbap, which is basically um, rice, meat, and julienne vegetables. You put it with like a spicy Korean sauce, often in a stone bowl, and it's phenomenal. And this woman, Juliana, um, how she ended up in Windsor uh, was that her daughters are both... Um, uh, they're both visually impaired. They're blind. Uh, and they wanted to study musical therapy at the University of Windsor. And so they came to Windsor and she followed them. And, you know, while they're in school, she decided to open this restaurant uh, to support them and all that stuff. And so she just has this incredible story. And, you know, coming to coming to Canada, not, you know, knowing a lot about Canada, really, and, and just eking out this incredible living and this incredible food. And so, like I said, her food's incredible, but her story's also incredible. And um, that was my first column ever for, for CBC was, was Juliana's Place. And it's still one of my favorite restaurants. Uh, whenever my parents come to visit me in, in, in Windsor, we always go there because they love it too. And it's also spicy, my parents eat a lot of spicy food. So uh, spicy is important and uh, we go there. So uh, those are my, some of my two of my favorite stories, but there's, I mean, there's 30 odd stories in there. <laughs> I'm actually going to ask you about recipes or about restaurants that aren't featured in the book because it's been about a year since publication yeah. and i know there's been a lot of new restaurants opening up probably yeah. a lot of places you didn't discover what would be a restaurant or maybe a couple of restaurants you would recommend that just didn't make it to the book okay well there's a twofold answer to that um there were most restaurants that i approached um were willing to be in the book. They they were willing to share recipes, which is like not, which is actually a pretty big ask um, to give away some of their secrets. Um, there were a few that didn't that said no or just didn't reply back or whatever. Um, so one of the existing restaurants that isn't in the book that I really wish was um, was Marathon uh, Ethiopian on um, University Avenue. I love that place. It's it's really good. Um, another place my parents love to go to when they visit Windsor, um, but uh, he just didn't want to do it, and I I completely respect that. That's really you know it's it's 
it's just asking a lot to give your recipes, you know? Um, so I wish he was in the book, but he's not, but that's okay. Uh, so that's a great place to go to. Um, and then there's been so many restaurants that have opened up since the book was published. Um, and uh, one I will say is just right close to my house. Uh, we recently moved to Old Riverside and uh, we used to live just west of downtown. And uh, Riverside Pie Cafe, just opened up uh, last September in Old Riverside, again on Wyandotte Street. I swear I go on other streets besides Wyandotte. It's just that there's so many on Wyandotte Street. Um, it's kind of, because it, Windsor really, it, it's my snapshot of Windsor's Wyandotte Street. But anyway, um, Riverside Pie Cafe um, has incredible pies, both savory and sweet. Their meat pies are incredible. Um, their crust is really good, because that's really important for a pie. Um, so that's one place, you know, that, you know, just didn't make it because it was it was too uh, late for the book. Another place uh, is F and B in Walkerville. Uh, they're phenomenal. They do great work. Um, they were a little too young to be in the cookbook. I think it was just a few months by the time. And, you know, cookbooks or books take a long time. I mean, it's not like radio production where it's like pretty quick. Cookbooks take a lot more time uh, to do. So they didn't make it into the book. Um, but I mean, the the level of cooking, the level of the skill and the creativity in that kitchen is pretty remarkable. And um, they, I would love to have had some recipes from them in that book. So you know, if there's ever another one, maybe um, if Bibli Oasis is so kind to do so. Um, but yeah, F and B is another place that I would think would be pretty phenomenal. Well, I think at this point it would be best to ask some advice. Okay. Because <laughs> as an expert restaurateur, um, sometimes. I think we all just have some trouble when we decide we want to go out to eat, but we just don't quite know where. I have that problem. So, <laughs> so I want to ask you uh, some advice uh, for a couple different situations. Because uh, I know there's some people out there that have dietary restrictions. Uh, some people are vegetarian, vegan, and some people uh, eat gluten-free. So I guess this is a multi-part question. What would you recommend to someone who's vegetarian or vegan? And what would be a restaurant you would recommend to someone who eats gluten-free? So vegetarian, I mean, a lot. I think a growing number of restaurants in the city are have vegetarian options, um, which is great to see. Um, you know, purely vegetarian restaurants, you have uh, Carrots and Dates, which is in the book. Um, you also have The Garden, um, which is on Wyandotte Street. Um, oh, wow. Um, it's a, it's a vegetarian Chinese restaurant, which is really great. Um, and so all the food there, it's not necessarily vegan, although most things are vegan there, but it's a vegetarian restaurant. Um, I will also say it's not in Windsor, but it's a place that a lot of my vegetarian friends love to go to. And it's only a, a quick hop across the border. Um, I did a story about this for CBC. It's a place called Detroit Vegan Soul. It's a soul food restaurant um, that is vegan, which sounds weird because there's a lot of meat and soul food normally. Um, but it's, uh, some of the best soul food you'll ever have, even if you eat meat like I do, Detroit Vegan Soul, it's in West Village in Detroit. It's another great place to go, uh, if you're a vegetarian or vegan or just like soul food. A snack barbecue, two doors down. Uh, I've actually ordered their smoked tofu, um, quite a bit. And I like tofu a lot, which I know is controversial in my newsroom. Whenever I bring up tofu, people groan a lot because uh, it's a great tofu place in Windsor that makes tofu. And they're in the uh, vendor's part of the book. Um, but their smoked tofu is just delicious. And um, and that's, again, that's a place, it's a barbecue restaurant that has a lot of vegetarian options. So you can take a friend who's vegetarian there and, and be okay and not just have to make them eat a salad. So um, that's, a, one of my, that's one of the interesting places because they cater to vegetarians a lot. I think it's really cool. Um, oh, and gluten-free, right? Is that the second part? Um, 
that's a bit tough. I mean, you can always go to like, for example, the garden because of its um, like rice and stuff, which is, is usually edible for people with, with gluten intolerances. You can go there. Um, there's tons of Vietnamese restaurants that would that would be okay because of the rice noodles and stuff like that. Um, so uh, when I was telling my friend about the question I was going to ask you regarding vegetarian and vegan restaurants, my friend said, well, you have to ask the other side of it. What if someone just only eats meat? <laughs> what if you were an out-and-out -out carnivore and you just want a big meaty meal? What would be your place to go to? Well, there's a lot of that in Windsor. Uh, that shouldn't be too hard. Um, I mean, one of, I mean, the carvery is great. Um, there, uh, and also, I mean, their food is not only great, but their story is great. Uh, for those who don't know the story about the carvery on, again, Wyandotte Street. Um, I will mention other places in the city besides Wyandotte Street, but it's just, anyway. Um, uh, they came from Vancouver. Um, and uh, they had a taco, they had a taco um, restaurant, like taco shop in on Kitsilano Beach in Vancouver. Uh, Mike and Kuhn, they were kind of realizing that they're both, you know, professionally trained, professionally trained chefs. They realized that, you know, Vancouver is expensive. Um, we should try to go somewhere else. And so they looked on a, like they quite literally looked at a map, did some research and said, oh, Windsor seems cheap. It was actually Windsor or London, I think, was the idea. And somehow, luckily for us, they chose Windsor, thank God, and um, they uh, packed their gave two kids, young kids, packed their kids into a into their car, drove to Windsor, uh, stayed in a hotel for a month, liked it, decided bought a house and opened up this incredible sandwich shop, which is a huge leap of faith because I would I could have never done that, um, you know, no job, nothing. They made their own job, they did their own thing, and their porchetta sandwich, which is not an authentic Italian porchetta. But it's sort of like somewhere between like a, an Italian porchetta and like a British pork roast because they use like must they have grainy mustard and stuff like that in the middle, is an incredibly meaty sandwich that um, I think would satisfy any carnivore and then have a salad with their hot bacon dressing, um, so you can make even your salad meaty right um, if you want to go full out. Uh, and I should say if you're getting the porchetta sandwich, um, one of the things I forgot to mention in the cookbook, but or maybe I did I can't remember now. Um, when they first open their pork, their the um, they take the porchetta, which is like a combination of like fatty pork belly, crispy pork belly, and then like pork roast. Um, they chopped it into some larger chunks, and it was lovely because you had nice big chunks of um, of crispy pork belly and all that stuff. And then they all of a sudden they started chopping it much more fine, and I was kind of upset. I said because then you didn't get as much crunch, and I said why, and and Kuhn told me that people. Some people didn't like a big hunk of crispy pork, which seemed really bizarre to me. But so they started doing it a little finer. So you kind of mixed in the crispiness throughout the sandwich. So whenever I go, I say, can you please just make it less uh, like bigger chunks? And they do it. So if you're going there, get it with like, get it um, less finely chopped. And I think it's even better. Um, but uh, so they'll do it. They'll do it for you if you ask. Uh, so that's a big meaty sandwich that with the hot bacon dressing, which is such a, a ridiculous concept, but it works. Um, that's a meaty meal for sure. You have been listening to Off the Shelf, Windsor Public Library's weekly broadcast discussing books, culture, and what's happening in the world of public libraries. I would like to thank Jonathan Pinto for visiting us at the Central Library for this conversation. Remember, his book, The Best of Windsor Cookbook, is available to purchase through Biblioasis and can be borrowed 
from the Windsor Public Library. You can stream and download previous episodes of Off the Shelf by visiting soundcloud.com slash WPL Off the Shelf.